0: Hey, Brandon. Chris? I'm mad. You mad?
1: Yeah, I'm mad. You mad, bro? I'm mad about JavaScript. I'm mad about Paul Reiser going off the air. God, I love that show. Man, (laughs) let it derail our opening. Mad About You is so good. We almost did it on our programming podcast. Almost talked about programming. Now we're going to talk about Helen Hunt and her acting range. God, Mad About You was so good. It was. I mean, I don't know if you go back now and you watch it, you'd be like, eh, it's 90s humor. I don't think it was 90s humor. What an adult relationship. It Two was like people, ple- doctor's humor,
0: give and take. Yeah, that's true. They're both capable human beings. It wasn't like some moron. And then uh, it wasn't like everybody
1: loves Raymond. Some moron and his wife who should basically hate him. Whoa, easy. There was nothing wrong with that show. But yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. It wasn't like uh, the King and Queen's like, oh, look at this dumb oaf that shouldn't yeah. be married to a lady like that. He's outclassed. Like, yeah. you know what? relationships are a little more complex and nuanced than that. And Matt about you was like, yeah, nuance. And audiences are like, I don't know about nuance. That's not really morons. (laughs) Pull that shit (laughs) off the air immediately. What a bunch of idiots. Give me another funny fat guy with that's married to somebody that's too attractive for him. Speaking of
0: a bunch of idiots, you know what else is annoying? People who hate classes in JavaScript.
1: (laughs) Way to pull us back on topic. (laughs) (laughs) oh man uh no but seriously why the hell does everyone hate classes in javascript i don't get it i mean i don't i'm actually not very good at staying on top of programming twitter can you roll this up in like an executive summary
0: yeah so i have noticed it recently because of of this like react hooks stuff which as far as i can tell is basically like a bunch of functions that you can use to compose some functionality into a larger function. You could define a component as a function and call some hook that's like use state and then it gives you some things that you can use as state variables and use effect, which gives you a thing that you can call when you want to perform side effects. Fine. That's cool. I have no problem with hooks in and of themselves, but one of the reasons I see people talking about it so much is they're like, oh, thank God. I don't have to use classes in JavaScript anymore. I never use them anywhere except for making components and they just like they get between me and my fans and it's like what the hell? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> or you have this dot state equals something or you have use state equals something and like they look almost identical. And also like jokes on you, pal. Hooks are just mix-ins and mix-ins
1: suck. <laughs> oh god, I'm angry. Uh well, I think people are mad about Anytime somebody drizzles syntactic sugar on something that they've learned to enjoy sugar-free. Frosted
0: mini-wheats. Fuck that shit. This is a terrible metaphor. Who sits there and is like, God, frosted mini-wheats. I hate these. I prefer regular shredded wheat. The kind of people that complain about
1: (laughs) classes in JS, I think. Oh, shit. Touche. Okay, good continue i love classes in js i love syntactic sugar i lived in ruby on rails you better just learn to tolerate that environment or you're gonna get like syntactic diabetes
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i for what it's worth i think both are fine like if you want to use functions all the time in your react code do it great have at it For the life of me, I cannot understand all these people getting on their high horse about I hate using classes because I prefer being productive. Like, what a false dichotomy. Ooh, yeah.
1: That's a hot take. Yeah. I've used classes before, and I found myself quite productive doing so. So, I don't know. (laughs) Like, it turns out abstractions can be useful. Weird concept. Whenever somebody gets mad at an abstraction for leaking, that's the most crazy bananas thing I ever heard. Like abstractions leak. It's what they do. You think your steering wheel is turning a wheel? Do you think that's what's really happening? Do you have any idea what's going on in there? That's not what's happening. You're turning the steering wheel is not moving your wheel. Your steering wheel is sending fucking electrical signals to an electric motor that is interpreting and then providing force feedback. That's a very good point. Is it a leaky abstraction? Yes. Can leaky yeah. abstractions still be useful? Yes.
0: That's the tagline. Abstractions better than nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Your car is steering for you while maybe dripping some steering fluid or something every once in a while it's fine it's not a
1: perfectly closed system it's a literal leaky abstraction yeah i love it people can be mad on twitter <laughs> that's what it's there for well here's what bothers me about it is when people on twitter get to sort of build a following by being mad for some reason being mad on twitter gives you some sort of credibility points that you must know what's going on if you really dig one layer deeper than just us talking about people being mad about classes. It's the sort of sense of injustice of the fact that people look at the people who get mad on Twitter and assign them some level of credibility and we go, well, I'm not mad about it, but I must be missing out on something. Mm. And those people basically drop the quality of discourse because you're not supposed to be allowed to like anything. Hey, I had a good customer service experience. Oh, well, then you really don't know how the world works. (laughs) That's true.
0: It does make you... like You can kind of see where it makes you feel like, huh, this person is internet famous. They don't like this thing. I'm not mad about it, but I must not understand it to the level that they do.
1: And I don't want to be that guy. So I'm going to take to Twitter and be mad about it too and get the the internet fame. I have friends who are friends with famous internet cranks. And... I don't love that those people build their fame on being cranky and that they earn credibility by being cranky, but I'm also past the point where I just assume that they're bad people because of it.
0: It's also like a really effective way to market for your training curriculum. Oh, gross. (laughs) If you have a healthy FUD campaign with your series of Medium articles and then you end every Medium article with... If you don't want to make all of these errors that I just described and scared the shit out of you with, contact me about training.
1: I'm just saying, you know, if you find yourself doing the majority of your, if the majority of your work conversing is complaining about things, maybe check the value add that's providing to society.
0: <sighs> okay, so that, that, that's my, uh, that's my just getting that out of the way phase of the podcast. I just have to get it off my chest. Yeah. Get on my mind. I get it. I get it. There's plenty to be angry about in programming, but just like OO versus functional programming
1: is like, sure, you can prefer one, but like for the love of God, get angry about something else. I understand the temptation to speak in hyperbole when you say, I don't like thing and people go, woo. And you're like, Oh, that got a response. <laughs> that felt, that felt good. Yeah. Wow. People like when I don't like thing Well, I don't like other thing. And people are like, hi oh, hear him and then you start hearing applause and you're like i must be like really smart because i say things and people go yeah fuck yeah this guy knows what's up <laughs> he's saying what we're all thinking
0: and then before you know it you're just like gallagher smashing <laughs> javascript watermelons
1: this is what i think about javascript politics <laughs> like, i don't know what's he doing i don't know i think it's a metaphor <laughs> i'm very uncomfortable <laughs> Stand out of that first few rows though.
0: Uh yeah. If you if you're gonna log on to program or Twitter, just wear a poncho, yeah. I guess. Hoist this smash. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, we've had we've both had a hell of a day. We've had a day, man. So I have a topic I want to spring on you completely without your knowledge. And it's kind of building on some conversations we've had in the past. It's definitely building on something that you gave me some advice about that I've took to heart and actually has sort of altered my career trajectory. And it was the way I saw you conduct yourself at our second job. And it's about the way that you decided to play politics at Mm. work. And you'll probably remember saying this, but Mm. I remember the time you told me I've decided that my best political maneuver is to just deliver results. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I see scenarios emerge at work. Mm-hmm. And I decided to invest in your strategy of just delivering results. And it's not absolutely bulletproof, but man, it is really weird to watch the C's part in front of you when you are a person who delivers results And the storm rages and you see the waves coming for you. And then they just sort of part in front of you because you're the person that delivers those results. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you more about like, because what I know about you is you're actually pretty good at that Game of Thrones shit. (laughs) You are skilled at seeing the chess moves. I'm terrible at chess. I'm more of a checkers guy. And politics has never really been my thing just because it's not because I'm morally opposed to it. I think I claim to be morally opposed to it because I'm just not good at it. (laughs)
0: uh yeah i do remember that i remember us having several conversations uh about politics but i do remember specifically that one it's probably worth clarifying that my advice is not as a general political strategy always deliver results because I, i i think at that point you're basically just opting out of politics but there was a period where my strategy was like Already granting, I am going to have to play politics to be successful at this job. I have made other moves in other sets of circumstances. Some have worked, some has not.
1: Right now, my best option is to deliver results. That's actually a really great distinction to make. That it's not it's not universally applicable advice because there are environments where you go deliver results and you're just gonna get mowed over. By the system. Yeah. Or, throw back to our
0: last episode, you just deliver results and become a sin eater. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's, like, I think actually a very key concept in the whole playing politics game is that an important tool for success, if you're playing politics, is seeing your political capital as a matter of throughput rather than viewing it as a balance. Meaning that, like, you want to generate capital and also spend it. And it is important to do both in the right amount. Mm. So in that case, like delivering results was a political strategy because if I remember right, the scenario was, I am pretty sure that we are doing things the wrong way and no one will listen to me. I don't have like a title to point to, uh, or anything, right? You got no juice, but it was like, I'm pretty sure that this is going to cause pain. Like rather than trying to shout down the rest of the room because it was a shouty room, I can win this argument by just being the person who actually does the thing. And then, then it's real. And then the CEO can point at it and say, well, this thing's already done. Like you want to undo that to do things your way? Good luck. Enjoy not doing that. Uh <laughs> and also like he's the like while you've been sitting here writing shit on a whiteboard and arguing about some theory, this person went over here and just built something and it works. It does exactly what I asked for, and it looks good. So Tell me again why
1: your strategy is better than his. And that plan worked out pretty well for a while. I think I was trying to think of how to answer the question, how do you know you're in a situation where leaning to your ability to produce a result is politically advantageous? Mm. And one of the things that struck me was where there is a general sense of frustration among people above you somewhere in the chain that they they look around and they see more people arguing over doing something than somebody doing something, mm-hmm. uh, than than seeing results, mm-hmm. and being the person who produces those results first and uses that as a frame for discussion, that's advantageous. You're gonna you're gonna be noticed because you're setting yourself apart.
0: Yeah. So I think this is actually a really interesting topic because there's there's a lot of nuance to this one simple idea. Because there are a lot of cases where I would not recommend this. Okay. For, for instance, if you are on a team that all needs to work together on a project that is, like, bigger than one person, being the person who goes rogue, and it's just like, I disagree with everyone else, but I'm just going to do it my way, and then they all have to deal with it and work in my code base, um, I would not advise that. That that's like a, that's a way to burn political capital, you know, mm-hmm. if you have accumulated it at that point. But if you've been working in programming for a decent amount of time, you can you can envision these two scenarios. In one scenario, you have a team of people who generally respect each other and like each other, who are talking about how to build something, and they don't agree, and maybe they disagree on principle a little bit, or they just disagree on some implementation details, and they're at a bit of an impasse. And the result there might be like, let's do a spike. Let's do two spikes and see what, how the results are. And that's different than like, I'm just going to deliver results. And
1: mm-hmm. I think
0: that's that's the better approach than just like, I'm going to go rogue no matter what anyone else says and do this thing and then do this thing in a way that is intended to lock everyone else out of having an input into what is happening. Mm-hmm. The other scenario is imagine you are in a room with a bunch of people who like to call themselves architects Oof. and they lecture the entire room about how things ought to be done, but they're, they haven't implemented any of this. And when they do implement something, it breaks without fail. And for some reason, your whole team has been pulled into this quagmire of somehow continuing to argue on principle about software that never works. And so this was, the, this was the scenario that we found ourselves in. And at that point, my goal actually was not to ship software at all. I actually didn't care that much about the software. My goal was to cut the other person's legs out from under them by having a bunch of people suddenly look over at me and go, Huh, if we just opt out of listening to this guy's bullshit, then we move faster and stuff happens. Yeah. That's good. We should do that. And after doing that for a while, that started to happen. And more and more people were like, cool, dude, whatever you say, I'm going to go over here and pretend that you didn't say any of it. And like, eventually we're literally going to put you in a room off in the corner.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Architect purgatory.
0: Yeah. So I think that's where it's really tricky because I'm just going to deliver results. Sounds like such a software oriented Thing, but it was actually very intended to like
1: destabilize another person. Mm -hmm. Another person who was very toxic and harmful to the rest of the team. Again, that's that Game of Thrones shit where you were literally shipping software as a function of a political maneuver to try (laughs) to like turn over an engineering team that couldn't tie its fucking shoelaces. Yeah. I interpreted it differently. There was like an ethical thing about it. Like I can stand above the political fray by being the person that delivers the results. But I sense the danger in only accumulating that kind of political capital and never spending it. Mm -hmm. I had never heard or thought about this before. Hoarding political capital is itself sort of toxic. Mm -hmm. And I don't have the ability to put my finger on why. Why do you have to spend it? Because otherwise, what's the point of accumulating it? At that point, you're doing a bunch of
0: things that accumulate some fictitious form of capital. It's not fictitious, but I mean, it's very hard to quantify. Right. Right there's two ways to think about politics. One is the way that you, that I've often heard you say it where politics is this bad thing. Mm -hmm. Politics is a thing that doesn't have to happen in an office, but often does. And when it does, it's problematic. And like, Oh, you have to deal with it. You kind of framed it this way just now when you were like, Oh, I thought maybe there was this ethical angle to it about how I'm going to rise above politics. But at this point, I think if you like thought about it and you thought about me, you know, that I would never say I'm going to rise above politics because my argument is that the politics are always there for good or bad. And if you opt out of them, you are basically just you are cutting out a whole set of tools from your ability to do things.
1: Yeah, I've come and am coming around on that. Yeah, Uh, the politics is, is about relationships. And you literally can't not engage in politics to pretend like you're not going to engage in politics and be above them is to decide to participate in the politics in the least effective manner possible.
0: Yeah. And so I think with that in mind, that's where only ever accumulating political capital is problematic because the whole point of politics is a series of exchanges. Like that's what it really boils down to. Like politics is how you deal with other people and the way that you deal with other people is ultimately about incentives and rewards and if you're not spending the political capital then you're not you're not actually engaging in that that economy of actions mm-hmm. and i think that can like that can lead to weird outcomes
1: yeah if you're not spending those if you're not spending that political capital you're accumulating you're probably not accomplishing stuff that you could be in your role Yeah. You're
0: rapidly becoming less effective. So I think like going back to this example, the other side of the I'm just going to deliver results thing, it wasn't just it wasn't about like flippantly screwing someone else over. It was about everyone agrees that this person
1: is a problem. Yeah. Harming our ability to deliver a collective result. Yeah. But I don't have the ability to dislodge them by force.
0: Yeah. So it wasn't just I'm going to to deliver results. I had to be backed up with the results that I deliver are going to be good. It's not going to be the thing that breaks in production. It's not going to be the thing that causes someone else to get pulled in to fix it when it goes down and then leads to a shouting match because for some reason we can't deal with the production issue without it turning into a bunch of like <laughs> recriminations. Yeah, <laughs> And so that, that was like the other part. The results themselves didn't fully destabilize the other person. It was that people were looking at it and going, like, this way involves producing software. It doesn't involve shouting. It doesn't involve being talked down to. And it doesn't involve me sitting in in an hour-long meeting being lectured to, only to then, like, find myself in the exact same place I started. That kind of political capital, on the one hand, you're building the ability to not care what that other person thinks. Like, you're just saying, like, I am gaining power, basically, Mm -hmm. by having produced something. But I'm also gaining real and important trust it's not like i'm manipulating everyone it was like you actually we are building trust because if you need help like we work together we collaborate we don't yell at each other Um, Mm -hmm. and the result is everyone is better off and there is software actually built but here's the thing this is why you have to spend the capital imagine you did that right imagine that you went through all this stuff. You became the person that people were looking to and kind of seeing, like, oh, there's a there's a different way we could do this and I prefer this. And you're or that person is gaining clout. And then one day push comes to shove. And that person who has been gaining clout stays quiet. And the other person who loves to like throw a fit and stamp their feet wins because that person who you have kind of been putting more and more trust and faith in mm-hmm. just like doesn't show up. Yep. Well, at that point, like, Hey, that's a huge disappointment. It sucks. It means that the political position has been hurt because like you had a chance to kind of put your money where your mouth is and you didn't do it. And morale has been hurt because all of these people, like you've been winning them over. Yeah. And then when it came time to like put that to the test, you just like opted out and like wouldn't use the allegiance
1: that you had gotten from these people to achieve a good thing yeah can we have one episode of this podcast where I don't feel directly called out what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> how I don't what do you mean so this is so pertinent to to very large chunks of my life right now that I actually feel like I can't talk about it too much it's oh. too too close to home for me right now you know there are lots of ways to spend political capital you can ask for a favor. You can say something difficult or challenging, but it usually comes in the form of challenging the status quo in some way and saying, what we're trying to do is not working. I need something else from you. And leaning into a challenge associated with, I've done all these things. You know me. You know that I care. You know Mm -hmm. that I produce value. And you know that I wouldn't ask if it wasn't important. Mm -hmm. So it's good to keep your powder dry for those moments. But if you don't use them, there's a really good point in there that you lose the capital anyway. Yeah. It's use it or lose it shit. And so there is no point in accumulating it because it will absolutely evaporate underneath you in the moments where you're supposed to actually use it. Mm -hmm. And and there is ethical use of political capital, like you had said, where it is in service of achieving a result that benefits everybody around Mm -hmm. you. It's possible that politics and leadership are synonymous in many ways.
0: Mm -hmm. Because
1: it's really about getting people to come with you on a journey
0: I think I think politics is a necessary but not sufficient condition for leadership okay
1: that's a very fair distinction to make yeah
0: and you can be good at politics and not and be a bad leader yeah but you probably can't be a good leader without being good at politics
1: and I, I want to talk to you at some point in the future about separating leadership from other components of the job but I I was just so struck by that one comment and and it it is a I had not thought about all of this nuance. Yeah.
0: You know what's interesting? I think, you know, Nick, Nick's point about politics being basically relationships is very true. But it also can't be true like, entirely. Like there, there's got to be a missing piece because of the two of us, you're a lot better at relationships than I am. And I'm a lot better at politics than you are. So what's the missing piece?
1: (laughs) They both stem from a kind of empathy. Yeah. Which is, I understand what you want. But in politics, you could just literally ask. And in relationships, (laughs) people are taught to sort of guess. Yeah. I'm not historically very good at the politics angle because I prioritize having a connection. When we talk about relationships, I mean connecting to somebody mm-hmm. and and being connected to them in a way where they know I care about them is the most valuable thing. In politics, mm-hmm. that's not the animus that drives it. In relationships, it's mutual care. And in politics, it's mutual benefit.
0: Yeah. Oh, God, yeah.
1: That's such a good distinction. Mutual care versus mutual benefit. Whew. You can have really toxic relationships where it's actually mutually destructive, mm-hmm. but it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. And you can invest everything you have into that relationship. But yeah, with politics, it's where's our mutual benefit? And it's fair to say that bringing relationship relationship mindset into a workplace where fundamentally this is a transaction occurring mm-hmm. is extremely dangerous. <laughs> and bringing a political yeah. mindset is much more appropriate because when you boil this all down and you reduce at the bottom, it's a transaction. Mm -hmm. money is moving around you are causing somebody's bonus to be inflated or deflated by your actions at the end of the day this is a transaction and this is why it's so like it feels so phony and it feels so like there's like a little hint of poison when people are like we're a family Mm -hmm. you're like yo you're bringing relationships into a transaction and mixing those two things is really scary yeah because you people are very easily confused by the two, and you are never confused by the two. I've never for a minute seen you confused <laughs> by the difference between a relationship and a transactional work relationship, except by me, who is really good at helping confuse people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and I like you a whole bunch. Yeah.
1: it's a problem. I, and I want to work with you again, but I, I promise I'm going to confuse you again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, I feel like you've gotten better at not doing that, and I've gotten better at recognizing when you do it. Yeah. So, like, overall, we're moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah, that actually is a really high-quality work relationship. Like, hey, Brandon, that's not what this is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think there's something really profound in that, that if people refuse to play politics— A lot of times what they're saying is that, hey, I I, I actually value the relationship model more than I value the transaction model. And you're like, oh, no, you're going to get fucked.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's either the like I'm too into relationships or the flip side is like. I don't have time for that shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in both cases, like my response to both is the same. And it's just like, God, you're going to get steamrolled. It kind of reminds me of kids playing on a schoolyard. Foursquare? Do people play Foursquare anymore? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. So they're playing Foursquare and one kid is just like standing off to the side and is like, you're playing it wrong. You're not following the rules. I'm not going to play because this is a misappropriation of Foursquare. And it's like... (laughs) You can do that, but the you're never going to win the Foursquare tournament if you won't even play because you, like there's a rule that irks you. Like You're just going to end up standing off to the side. and It's going to be miserable for you, and you will have had no impact on the game. No one will c- have learned the rules that you think are so important to learn, and they will keep playing Foursquare the same way. So you have achieved nothing. Mm. And that's how I feel a lot of the time when people say stuff like this. It's like you can either completely opt out of... Getting involved in these conversations, which means they're just going to happen without you. So, like, if you didn't want to get involved because you have a problem with politics, all you have done is remove yourself from the scenario where you could have any impact. Because the politics are going to keep happening whether you want
1: it or not. You didn't get to leave the chessboard. You just decided that your role is pawn. Yeah. Man. That's a really good point and it's really hard to swallow, I think, for people that have that outlook. And mm-hmm. so for those people of whom I used to be one, please don't take it too hard. Just really examine that. Politics doesn't have to be gross and it doesn't have to be scary. Again, like think of the term statecraft and think of like, you know, American founding fathers type people that were like, All right, I'm gonna go to France and I'm gonna fuck a bunch of people over there. I'm gonna drink a bunch of wine, I'm gonna <laughs> like gallivant around and build some relationships. And I'm going to have a great time and I'm going to found a fucking country with a strong European ally (laughs) because we're both into the same thing, which is just when, when the French look at me, they're going to say that guy fucks (laughs) (laughs) signed Benjamin Franklin, direct quote, direct quote. That's what's amazing.
0: Yeah. You can find that puppy in the federalist papers. It's weird.
1: I begin my day with a vigorous fuck. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Did Benjamin Franklin have, like,
0: gout or something? I'm sure he had all number of of diseases. He's not the person you want to think
1: about. Yeah. Yeah. God, you're going to have a hell of a time editing this podcast. I I can promise you this. Including this statement, this will not be edited. Benjamin (laughs) Franklin fucks. (laughs) May just be the title of the podcast.
0: (laughs) Oh, shit! I like how you started that out with like, think about statecraft, and then it end with Ben Franklin fucks. Like, <laughs> for the record, that is that is not what statecraft is. Okay, fair, fair, fair.
1: <laughs> oh, all right. Enlighten, enlighten me. You're you're better educated than I am. But I, no, I was I, thinking I
0: to hear the point you were gonna make.
1: So, I think we put a negative spin on politics and i'm just reiterating your point that you if you decide to opt out of this stuff you basically choose to be a pawn on the chessboard and that politics can be quite lovely if you are dealing with people that also understand the rules of the game that you're playing and where it gets messy is if you have a bunch of people that feel like they're playing different games by different rules Mm -hmm. When you brought me the idea of my politics here is going to be delivering results, I came into this conversation with my old style of thinking that this was a way to move above the fray. Mm -hmm. And you just pulled me right back in. Right back in. And I really appreciate that because it is not a helpful style of thinking to ignore the fact that there are other people in your organization that are trying to get something done for their Mm -hmm. own reasons. And if you can't, if you can't see that, then you can't meet them on their terms and you're not going to get what you want. And what you want is probably also good for the company. And in fact, if you're listening to this, what you want is probably better for your environment than what the other people are bringing to the table, just on average, because this is an above average group of people (laughs) and getting what you want will be better for everyone involved. So I stand duly corrected, sir. (laughs) It is interesting because in a
0: way that that is what's happening, right? Like you're not rising above politics itself in that case. But what you are doing is you're refusing to engage with someone with someone trying to impose their set of rules. Right. Like the, the political arena still exists. But the fact of the matter is there really aren't any rules except for what people define. And so by saying, like, I'm going to deliver results with, you know, this set of intentions, you're not rising above politics entirely. You're just changing the rules of the game. The game is still there. It's just saying, like, I'm not going to let this person define what the win condition is anymore. Mm -hmm.
1: Without getting too into national politics, it is fun to see a couple of politicians that I like start changing the rules of it by playing a different set of rules. We talked about this earlier in, in a text chat where you see AOC. I love AOC. I love AOC. She is changing the game and people don't understand what she's doing. I know. It's incredible. It. She is like, oh, by the way, I added a new dimension to this chessboard and they're like, oh. <laughs> it's called the internet. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's adorable. And you're like, no, you don't get it. You just got fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Like you. you won't see it for a while, but you
0: just got left behind so utterly and completely.
1: Yep. It was like when you saw the movie, The Matrix, you're like, well, I guess movies are this now. Yeah, <laughs> that's true.
0: <laughs> oh, man. And do you know so what? True. They were.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's fun sometimes to see the future. And so if you're if you find yourself in an organization and this is not an advice podcast for God's sake, but if you find yourself in an organization and you feel like, God, there's so many politics here, maybe look at that as an opportunity. Like, okay, what is it that I actually want to get out of this? What do I want for this place and not just from it? Yeah. And I guess that's the that's the crux of it. I think people that are grossed out by politics are grossed out because everybody wants something for themselves, something for themselves. And it's like, God, I want to not engage in this fucking hungry, hungry hippos game of trying to collect as many marbles in a zero sum game as possible mm-hmm. and fuck everybody else. And I know you're going to say the word capitalism. I get it. <laughs> But if you find yourself in a workplace, usually there is a collective mm-hmm. goal that mm-hmm. is sort of elevated. And it's not necessarily zero sum within the organization. If you can help that organization make more money, the pie is bigger for everybody. And if you can help, you know, if you can help it achieve some goal, the pie gets bigger. Mm-hmm. And so there's more than enough room for a person to step in and say, if I'm willing to sort of play this game and want something for the company and not just for myself, I have more of a right to play that political game than anybody else.
0: Yeah, I think actually bringing up AOC, it's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, in case you you don't go by AOC or you don't recognize what we mean when we say AOC. Bringing her up is actually a really good example of a point that I want to make sure we get out, which is that there's a difference between saying that politics doesn't have to be evil and saying that politics doesn't have to be messy and/or possibly conniving, I think they're for a lot of people like that's what they see politics as is, is this this gross evil thing. And I don't want to engage with that. Uh, and that's going back to the same thing. Like it could be because I think it's dumb, or because I'm too relationship oriented, and because politics is gross and e- is,
1: is gross and evil, it means that I have to to shred relationships. And frankly, I think for most of those people, it's that politics doesn't play to my strength. Yeah. And so, since it doesn't play to my natural strengths, let's go ahead and stamp it with evil and gross. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so AOC is a great example because she is, I think, doing great things. And she is very much concerned with the well-being of a large group of people. But part of the reason that she is so successful is that she isn't sitting there standing on a pedestal and saying, like, I'm not going to get down in the muck. Like, she right. is, she's winning because she's absolutely getting down in the muck and she's bringing whole new angles to it like she's Mm -hmm. being you know nasty when it serves her and just like just the right amount and she's like taking these very like targeted hits and sometimes it's it's like a very inspiring thing that she says but sometimes it's just like i'm gonna set my sights on this person on twitter because they called me out and i'm gonna i'm gonna like snap right back at him and like that is an important thing to remember if you're feeling that like sensation that politics is gross is that that messiness is often the way that you end up benefiting a whole group of people and it's often a way that you end up being like an agent of actually positive change like that kind of thing is not typically clean or easy it is often like messy and disorganized and weird
1: you don't get the satisfaction that comes with claiming the moral superior high ground but you get the satisfaction from knowing that you really made a difference
0: yeah also once you get good at it it's fun I'm not gonna lie
1: <laughs> It's fun to be good at what you do
0: yeah that's true you know you like to joke a lot but like I don't think you're bad at what you do Brandon <laughs> like you've been there like there have been things that you haven't improved at but like man you've been you've been good at a lot of stuff. You're held in high regard by many people, including me, because you're a good dude,
1: and you bring a lot to the table. And yeah, it's messy. Politics are messy. Please, uh, don't be afraid to play them. If you, if they turn you off, I hope there's additional stuff in here that would cause you to sort of rethink that. I'm definitely going to. This really did get to me. I've got to go think about how I'm playing this game right now Mm because I'm not savvy. I'm moral.
0: (laughs) <laughs> I
1: don't know if you meant it that. Like, I don't know if you I meant, meant like that sounded like a total dig. No, I meant like lawful. You know what I mean? Uh, like okay. lawful good. Right. right and right. I've gotcha. always prided myself on being the the you know the the clean lawful good. What well, seems to be the trouble, officer? <laughs> <laughs> and I see you as like chaotic good. I love that shit. Yeah, I respect that shit. I wish I could be more of that. You're, you'll get there. All right. Well, for everybody listening, thank you so much. We love talking with each other, and we love the fact that you come along for the ride. And we love your comments on Twitter. We see people mention us on Copy Pod at Twitter. We really appreciate that. That helps us know that you're listening. When people rate and review us on iTunes, that helps us know, and that helps people find us. And I am on Twitter. I'm Teviking. And I'm 15 letter max. And someday, Chris, so help me God, we'll get you that 16th letter. God, I wish. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.